With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Three Martini Lunch. Grab a stool next to Greg Corumbus of Radio America and Jim Garrity of National Review. Three Martinis coming up. Very glad you're with us for the Wednesday edition of the Three Martini Lunch. We have two good martinis and a crazy for you today. And actually, we're cramming three good martinis into two. So, Jim, I feel like we're off to a pretty good start here this week. Let's get to uh, the very first good martini. And, Jim, sometimes ads make a big difference in campaigns. If they're tight, sometimes they don't. I remember George H.W. Bush uh, making the most of Michael Dukakis's trip in the tank in 1988. And there have obviously been other ones since then uh, that have made a difference, perhaps, in a presidential campaign. Ron DeSantis is getting a lot of attention, not only because he's one of the more prominent governors, but he's a likely presidential candidate. Uh, he's ahead in the polls. And if he keeps putting out ads like this, he's going to win quite early on election night. Listen to this one. Ladies and gentlemen, Governor Ron DeSantis. Today we deliver for the people of Florida yet again. You saved our jobs. And kept us going. They tried to shut us down, but you saved our business. Thousand dollar bonuses. You had our backs. And honored our service. You led by facts, not fear. And you let us decide. You let me go to school. You gave me a voice. You put us first. And didn't let them keep us apart. You let us learn. You let us compete. All of us. You protected our right to worship together in person. And you raised our pay. You protected our waters. And kept Florida beautiful. When they attacked you, you didn't cave. You stood strong for Florida. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor. Gracias, Governor DeSantis. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Governor DeSantis. So what you can't see by listening to that, of course, is who's doing the talking. You have a waitress, you have a, a restaurant owner, you've got a mechanic, you've got a teacher, you've got students, you've got athletes, all people uh, who are appreciating the common sense uh, approach that Ron DeSantis not only took to COVID lockdowns, Jim, and the lack of them in Florida for the most part, but just uh, smart conservative policies from education to the economy to even the environment. It's basically a very quick laundry list of everything he's done over the past four years, and it's one that conservatives, and I would hope most independents, would think is a really good one. Greg, not only is this way better than the Top Gov ad, which I think we can agree was a little bit cheesy, the thing that kind of jumps out about me, I, I was reminded of a comment by Joe Trippi, who was the campaign manager for Howard Dean back in 2004. Yeah, you know, all those, yeah, we, we can argue about that, but Trippi's run a lot of campaigns and I think he has some good instincts in this area. Obviously a very left of center guy, but he, in his campaign or his autobiography, a book about the, uh, the Dean campaign, he kind of took some not so subtle shots at John Kerry, even though I think, I can't remember if it came out after the election or before the election, but he basically said that the subtext of every John Kerry presidential campaign ad was, Aren't I terrific? 
And, and, you know, on the one hand, if you are a candidate for office, you need to sell yourself. You need to be a little bit of a braggart. You need to talk about how great you are. But one, by creating an ad which features Floridians, which is not, it's not Ron DeSantis telling you how great he is. It's ordinary Floridians saying, this is why we, you know, thanks, Governor. This is why you're so great. The message is, this campaign is about you. This election is about you. What government does is about you more than it is about what I do, right? And it's not about, aren't I terrific? It's much more, look at this, the decisions I've made. Look at the consequences of this, the decisions that I have made. Look at how this has impacted the daily lives of the Floridians. Clearly, a lot of that is focused on the pandemic record, but not entirely. And, uh, you know, I also notice a pay raise for teachers in there. Um, so DeSantis is not a, you know, cookie cutter, uh, standard issue conservative on this. He's willing to offer some things that aren't traditionally uh, Republican ideas. And I just, uh, you know, I, I think it's a really good ad. He's got a ton of financial resources. Uh, I imagine this will be uh, pretty effective. I, I, you know, we talk about people say they want to see candidates campaigning positive, talking about the issues. Well, this you know, ad does exactly that. I think this will be uh, an effective ad, and I think we'll see DeSantis start to pull away. But, uh, you know, it's, it's still some uh, time between now and Election Day. We'll see what the counter move from Charlie Crist is. But if there's anybody who's got experience in losing statewide, that's Charlie Crist. <laughs> well, that's certainly true. Yeah, I mean, if you're an incumbent Republican and you've got a really impressive record to run on, this is a great template for the ad you should be running. If you're running against a Democrat right now, you need to have a laundry list of all the terrible policies they voted for in Congress or uh, things they supported at the gubernatorial level if you're running at the statewide level. I mean, that's the type of uh, thing that makes a lot of sense. There's a ton of information that got into 60 seconds right there. And all it took was a phrase or two from little different sectors of society for just about everybody to understand what they're talking about. That is a really, really well done ad. And as for Charlie Crist, well... Charlie Crist is uh, still making stuff up about legislation that was on the docket months ago. Here's what he did in an interview with uh, Local News 10 uh, down in Florida about the parental rights bill in education and and uh, the legislation about uh, having a curriculum on sexual issues aimed at really young kids. What do you think of that bill? Uh, it, it's not right. Okay. Now, you know, the, the part that talks about LGBTQ is what I'm focused on. And the notion that in our schools we would make it more difficult to have, you know, guidance counselors to be available to help those children, um, make them feel good about themselves. I, I respectfully that that's not in the bill that I read. What's in the bill? It's in the bill I read. Is it? So, Jim, it seems like Charlie Chris might not be consistent. How's that possible? <laughs> and and what are the odds of that happening? Good luck, Ron DeSantis and Charlie Crist. I'm, I'm sure you'll find employment on the other side. Don't go away mad. Just go away. You, you can do more of those law firm ads. Yes, yes. Have you been in an accident? Call me, Charlie Crist, at Morgan & Morgan, whatever it was. Yeah. <laughs> See, there's plenty of job opportunities waiting out there in Ron DeSantis' you know Ron DeSantis' policies. That's why there's so many jobs out there. All right, one more bit of good news, Andy, and that is the fantastic deals you can find at 4 slash martini including their signature offer right now, a free solar panel with the purchase of the Patriot Power Generator 2000X. And of course, free shipping on all orders over $97. You want to be prepared. You don't want to get caught unprepared 
when your power goes out. It's going to happen eventually. It's just a question of whether you're in the dark for a few minutes, a few hours, or maybe even a few days or more. The Patriot Power Generator 2000X, worth its weight in gold. It's now got double the capacity, and it'll keep your big appliances running, including your fridge, which is full of food that just keeps getting more and more expensive. It's got 12 outlets, including four AC, plus two USB-C outlets that can charge your phone 20 times faster than normal. So visit 4patriots.com slash martini to get your Patriot Power Generator 2000X with the free solar panel included. Plus get free shipping on orders over $97. Save more and get peace of mind now by going to the number 4patriots.com slash martini. That's 4patriots.com slash martini. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Let's talk about our second good martini now. And this is about... Now, the mainstream media is starting to get a little bit nervous about two of its favorite candidates. One is more local and one is more national. We're going to be talking about John Fetterman in Pennsylvania and Stacey Abrams in Georgia, but we'll take them one at a time. Uh, The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette is publishing an editorial, which doesn't love the tone of the campaign in general, but it says it's time, now that Fetterman has ducked the first debate, which I think should have been yesterday, that it's an open question and a serious question that needs to be answered whether John Fetterman is not only fit for this campaign, but fit for office should he win. Here's part of the editorial. Pennsylvania Lieutenant Governor and U.S. Senate candidate John Fetterman has not fully recovered from the serious stroke he suffered in May. His campaign has acknowledged his obvious struggles with auditory processing and speech, but the persistence of those struggles has contrasted with the campaign's rosier predictions of a return to the rigors of campaigning, including debating his opponent, Mehmet Oz. Mr. Oz has raised legitimate concerns. If Mr. Fetterman's communication skills have not yet recovered sufficiently to effectively debate his opponent, many voters will have concerns about his ability to represent them effectively in Washington. While he has gamely undertaken more campaign events and media interviews in recent weeks, Mr. Fetterman still speaks haltingly and relies on closed captioning to fully understand his conversation partners. Mr. Fetterman's campaign asserts confidently he'll make a full recovery and that he is doing the hard work, including speech therapy, to accelerate that recovery. That is hopeful and laudable, but stroke recovery is notoriously unpredictable. The campaign's early predictions proved optimistic. The more recent predictions of several months to a complete recovery may prove optimistic as well. And so, Jim, we've seen senators who are already in office have strokes. Mark Kirk of Illinois and Tim Johnson of South Dakota come to mind. And I don't know the full status of their recoveries. They're no longer in office. Uh, But I do know that both of them were away from Washington for an extraordinarily long time recovering uh, from those strokes. And we hope they're doing well. Uh, But now that this has become a mainstream issue and not just in a, you know, a partisan talking point of, well, look how mean Dr. Oz is being to to John Fetterman, uh, this becomes a more legitimate issue. And the only way Fetterman can answer it is to actually show up and have a discussion. Yeah. And so one of the things that I think is worth noting here, people look at the, I've seen this described as, look, it's Fetterman's hometown paper. Now, obviously, Fetterman's from that small town outside of Pittsburgh, but this is the largest newspaper in his hometown area. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette for a long time had a kind of what we would characterize as a liberal editorial stance. 
turned a bit more conservative in like the 2010s or so, um, but also consolidated with the Blade of Toledo. And they have a different editorial page editor. And since then, the Post-Gazette has been a, more to the right. So I saw some people saying, oh, my God, even liberals are worried about better. Eh, probably not the case. Having said that, the way the editorial was written, I think was very effective in that it you know, wrapped the Oz campaign across the knuckles for some rather tasteless mockery or sneering about uh, Fetterman's stroke. But it really took this tone of more in sorrow than in anger, um, almost like reaching out to a friend to say, Fetterman, we're really worried about you. You don't seem well. And if you can't do the debate, that's a sign you probably should step aside and let someone else run. And I, I think it's a very effective argument. And I've seen this people really sit up and take notice, not just in conservative circles. I think Democrats thought, well, look, Fetterman's way ahead. Oz is floundering. Um, he's done these little tiny snippets of interviews and uh, other things where, you know, he's not obviously a drooling vegetable, but he's not clearly anywhere near to what he was beforehand. Um, by the way, we can argue how effective a communicator he actually was beforehand or whether his communication was largely visual. Look at him in his Carhartt hoodie and his wear shorts and this man doesn't own a suit. <laughs> what an authentic Democrat, you know, um, which kind of got really tiresome really fast. But I, I look at this, I think this editorial is going to create a lot of momentum that sometime between now and Election Day, Fetterman's got to do a debate. And we don't know how that debate's going to shake out. We don't know about the length. We don't know about the format. But the fact if Fetterman doesn't, I think this will start to eat away. Um, and that people who, you know, otherwise might be supportive of him will start asking questions. And I think it'll give Oz a very fertile territory of saying, look, you don't have to love me. You don't have to hate him. But I think it's pretty obvious he's not being honest with you, is he? And obviously that will eat away at it. And I would note that I think Oz is a deeply flawed candidate. But there have been some polls that have him within four points or within five points, which is a lot better than the double digits we were seeing at certain points in the summer. So, I, you know, maybe this is going to change the dynamic in this race. I do think Democrats may have thought they were out of the woods on this one. And this editorial brings the health issue front and center in a way that the Fetterman campaign really just just really can't avoid anymore. Yeah, I think the narrowing polls are why he's going to have to do it. If he stayed ahead by 10 to 15 points, uh, he could probably roll the dice. But when the polls are basically at the line of the margin of error uh, and narrowing pretty quickly from those double digit uh, differences just a few weeks ago, uh, people are noticing and he's going to have to deal with it. Now, the, the question is, how do you set those expectations? Now, with Joe Biden in 2020, I think Republicans made a huge mistake of saying, oh, here comes the convention speech. Oh, here comes the debate. He's not going to be able to spit out a sentence. And then he spit out a sentence. And then yeah. everybody else who likes Joe Biden is like, ah, see you people were all full of it. No, 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 no. What you have to do is set high expectations for what he's able to do. You know, the, the usual thing of, I don't know how I'll ever win this debate. John Fetterman is just this rhetorical wizard. And if we can merely keep pace uh, and be able to get out our agenda, uh, I think we'll call that a win. This guy has proven himself when he was running for lieutenant governor uh, to be very, very strong debater. Set those expectations. And then when he can't meet them, then the issue keeps going. Yeah, I also think there's some sort of um, you want the debate to get detailed. Right. You want the debate to get really hard to the details of policy. and You don't want to let Fetterman retreat into personality. You know, ha, I don't even wear long pants. That's how authentic <laughs> I, you know, that kind of stuff. 
Obviously, Fetterman will try to make it, ah, you live in New Jersey, all that kind of stuff. You just make, obviously, you want to make Fetterman have to defend all of his hard left positions, proposing a ban on fracking, effectively emptying out the, the, the jails, being endorsed by AOC, endorsing Bernie Sanders for president. I mean, just pin him down on what he actually thinks. And I think because these are the more inherently uncomfortable questions for him, that's where Fetterman might have real trouble getting his words out. People with absolutely 100% perfect health tend to stammer or become less articulate when they feel like they're going to get pinned down on something that's going to look bad for them. So hopefully Oz can do that. We'll see how it works, how it shakes out for him. Exactly. And we do wish John Fetterman a full recovery. The question is uh, whether he can be honest and articulate about his message and whether he could be an effective senator, which I don't think he could be, even before the stroke. I don't think he was qualified to be in the U.S. Senate. But uh, Pennsylvania voters obviously will make that decision. Uh, Moving on quickly to Stacey Abrams, the New York Times now uh, talking about how Georgia Democrats are uh, chewing their fingernails over Stacey Abrams. She's constantly behind outside the margin of error against Brian Kemp. Uh, which would suggest a bigger loss than she had four years ago. She's constantly uh, doing worse in polls compared to Democratic Senator Raphael Warnock, which the Times points out, for some reason, is drawing support from moderate Republicans. Jim, I don't I don't get that. If you've looked at uh, the way Raphael Warnock has voted, he's been a lockstep far lefty uh, during his short time in the U.S. Senate. But uh, it's looking like the bloom is off the rose here. Uh, the New York Times is, uh, you know, amusingly baffled by the fact that she's not doing better because they think she's the reason that Democrats are doing much better these days in Georgia. But uh, nonetheless, uh, they're increasingly pessimistic that uh, she's going to uh, win again, uh, or for the first time, because she didn't really win last time. But what do you see? What do you see with Stacey Abrams? Well, a little deeper in that article is a sentence that kind of jumps out at me. And it seems like just the classic New York Times, you know, to be sure sort of paragraph. Quote, Ms. Abrams's allies said comparisons between her and Mr. Warnock overlooked stark differences. Ms. Abrams is a black woman contending with sexist stereotypes about leadership, they note. She's also running against an incumbent governor with a well-built political apparatus, while Warnock's rival, the former football star Herschel Walker, is a political novice. But like that second argument is fair. It's tougher to run against an incumbent. Brian Kemp is now a known quantity. But the argument of, well, she's dealing with sexism. Oh, really? Was that a factor in the Senate race last time around? Just kind of curious. Okay. Um, this looks like the pre-excuse establishment because, you know, again, she came very close last time. Sexism wasn't a problem there. Did sexism get worse over the last four years? It does feel like this is the preparation of excuses for Abrams, not just losing, but doing probably considerably worse, you know, looking like a minimum four or five point margin there. And I think that if Stacey Abrams runs and loses again, you know, all of this talk of, oh, she could run for president someday or, oh, people will kind of, okay, you know, at some point you got to be more than a state legislature minority leader if you're really going to be a major player in national politics. And I think that uh, she will have entered her 15th minute of fame. (laughs) <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you Lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry. Sorry. We're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No. Lucky Land Casino. With cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right. Let's move on to our uh, crazy martini now, Jim. And, you know, we've talked a lot about uh, California and their ban on gas-powered cars, effective 2035. Somehow along the way, Jim, I missed this. I don't know if you did, but uh, Virginia, I assume when Democrats were in control, just decided that our emission standards are going to be whatever California sets. Not only is that stupid, but that is uh, obviously not good leadership, but to just do whatever another state is doing. But overall, California is not having a great week. Just days after folks like Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm were out there saying, California's leading the way. We need to follow California. They are setting the, the pace and we need to keep up because this is the right way to go. Clean energy, renewable energy all the way. Well, that was fun for a couple of days. And now Gavin Newsom's out there on TV saying, Uh, Yeah, we got a heat wave coming, so y'all need to stop using so much energy. Everyone has to do their part to help step up for just a few more days. Individuals, the state, industries, business, all doing their part to help reduce strain on the grid. Now, here's specifically what you can do in the early morning hours, particularly tomorrow and the next day or so. Pre-cool your home. Run your air conditioning earlier in the day when more power is available. And we encourage you to close your windows and blinds to keep your home cool as well. And today and tomorrow afternoon after 4 p.m., in particular 4 p.m., please turn your thermostat up to 78 degrees or higher and avoid to the extent possible using any really large appliances. So, Jim, they're having rolling blackouts in some cities. Uh, If uh, people don't, you know, power down at certain times of the day, it's going to get worse. Not exactly the most uh, compelling case for the energy future that Newsom and a lot of other people on the left have in store for us. Yeah. So first, I want to begin by saying that if you know this was an extraordinarily dumb move by Virginia Democrats, I'm sure you're less than shocked by that. But I would point out that if Virginia Republicans, who you know had if they had a, a solid majority in the state legislature, and Governor Youngkin said, "Well, we're going to tie our energy uh, you know standards to that of Texas." I would still be PO'd because even though I'm more likely to agree with those policies, wait a minute, if we're just going to do whatever another state does, what do we need you guys for? Right. We've effectively decided the Texas state legislature will decide what our energy policies are. The idea of federalism is that each you know state sets its own path. It's not supposed to be like the, the scene from when Harry met Sally, I'll have what she's having as, the, as your policy choices. Right. So the, the other thing is that it was not that long ago that California made the proposal. Well, we're going to effectively ban gasoline-powered cars. Not now, but at some point in the not-too-distant future, because we want everyone buying an electric car. Similarly, at least for new structures 
I think it was in Los Angeles, it was going to have or maybe one of the other cities. You cannot have natural gas powered stoves. You have to use uh, electric stoves and having used both, I know which one I prefer. Your mileage may vary, but I think consumers should be able to, able to have that choice. What kind of stove do you want? The answer is no, 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 we don't like that. Natural gas, bad for the environment. You must use electricity. So the state government is effectively making you use more electric options when there are non-electric options. And then they turn around and tell you, you have to reduce your use of electricity. They have basically shoehorned you into a situation where you have no choice but to just stop using electricity or greatly reduce your use of electricity. You know, if you don't want people to use, you know, electric for their, electricity for their stoves, well, you let them use natural gas. You want them to drive around. You don't want, you don't want them recharging their cars. Look, every gasoline-powered car does not require to be hooked up to the grid for long stretches. So pick one. And obviously the answer from California is, well, our choice is you use none. It is glaringly obvious that the approach doesn't work. I'll give Gavin Newsom a little bit of credit for deciding to keep the Diablo Canyon re uh, nuclear reactor open until 2030. Uh, overcame, it sounded like some, a little bit of short-lived but intense opposition from some of the Greens in the state legislature. But in the end, I mean, like California starting to look like a Christmas tree, blink lights blinking in and out. That's not what the, you know, the American dream is supposed to be. In fact, it's what we tend to associate with third world countries. So it is a glaring sign that they have not thought these uh, ramifications of these policies through and the rest of the country would be just beyond themselves, catastrophically foolish to follow the California path instead of looking more seriously at what their state's residents will actually need. Jim, I don't know if it's from the current situation in California or maybe it's from a while back, but I don't know if you've seen these uh, pictures the last couple of days of a gas-powered generator plugged into an electric vehicle with gas cans uh, yes, standing I by to, to power the generator. So it's, it's, these people have no idea what they're doing. And yet, yeah, John Kerry out there just yesterday or the day before is saying, well, that's where we're headed. Yeah, we're not going to have that anymore. So uh, when, when John Kerry is, is charting your energy future or even has a role in it, you know it's not headed in a good direction. Oh, but we had two good martinis today, Jim, and maybe we'll have two or more tomorrow. Let's hope. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, Greg. Jim Garrity, National Review. I'm Greg Columbus, Radio America. Thanks so much for being with us today. Do subscribe to the Three Martini Lunch podcast if you don't already and tell a friend about us as well. Uh, thank you for your five-star ratings and your kind reviews. They help us a ton and we've seen some new ones lately. So please, please keep those coming. They are a massive help to us. Uh, get us on your home devices. All you have to say is play Three Martini Lunch podcast. Follow us on Twitter. He's at Jim Garrity. I'm at Dateline underscore DC. Don't forget about Jim's brand new novel, Gathering Five Storms and the accompanying short story, Saving the Devil. Join us again on Thursday for the next Three Martini Lunch. This week on the Federalist Radio Hour. Ed, to me, a sort of 21st century conservative, what jumps out is the question of how the postmodern uh, departure that comes on the heels of the Enlightenment and people suddenly stop believing uh, in the absolute truth of Christianity in the West. I'm Emily Jashinsky of The Federalist. Subscribe to The Federalist on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, this is Todd Herman, host of The Todd Herman Show. You might have heard me on Rush Limbaugh's show. I was a regular fill-in for about eight years. I now do a show out of the high mountains of free America because, you know, I got exiled from Seattle. Google Gemini correctly predicts the present day. Mind control matrix. The internet, television, even our phones wouldn't just be distractions, but tools used to manipulate the masses and suppress critical thinking. I said that correctly. Check out The Todd Herman Show every day on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. How much do you spend from your paycheck in about 100 days? The Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski. Every day, Chris helps unpack the connection between politics and the economy and how it affects your wallet. The federal government is on pace to spend over $1 trillion per every 100 days. Are Speaker Johnson and congressional Republicans doing anything about it? Enough is enough. Whether it's happening in D.C. or down on Wall Street, it's affecting you financially. Be informed. Check out the Watchdog on Wall Street podcast with Chris Markowski on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.